Arsenal for Democracy is available twice a week. There's a free episode at arsenalfordemocracy.com or Apple or Stitcher each weekend and a midweek bonus episode at patreon.com slash arsenalfordemocracy, available for $5 a month. The show is recorded and produced by me, Bill Humphrey, in Newton, Massachusetts. Our theme music is produced by Stuntbird. Follow us on Facebook or at AFD Radio on Twitter. The show is not affiliated with any campaign committee and each participant's opinions are their own. This man is your land. This man is my land. California. New York Island. The Redwood Forest. The Gulf Stream waters. This land is made for you and me. It's Arsenal for Democracy, episode 355, recorded on March 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Bill Humphrey. Joining me on this week's bonus episode is Rachel in Boise, Idaho. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Bill. This week, we're going to be talking about dropped ceilings. Uh, This is probably a shorter bonus episode, but an interesting sort of technical one that uh, had caught my attention a while back, and I wanted to explore it a little bit more. So false ceilings of various types have obviously existed for centuries for various form and function reasons, but on this week's bonus episode, we're talking about the modern dropped ceiling that helped unlock the post-war office sector and eventually helped facilitate the third industrial revolution of the information technology age. Modern dropped ceilings were patented in 1919 and refined with additional patents over the course of the 1950s, spanning a time period in which telephones became increasingly widespread throughout offices. And we'll have to talk at some point about central air conditioning in a later episode because that obviously relates to this as well, especially with all the duct work involved in that. But by 1958, the design where any single panel of foam or whatever ceiling could be removed for accessing a specific point without needing to remove other panels had been invented. Um, Before then, there were more complicated designs where you had key tiles and you had to like take out one tile and then take out a bunch of other tiles to get to the one you actually wanted. And so the 1958 design allowed you to remove the specific tiles so you could do stuff that you needed to do. Other terms for this, you know, dropped ceilings is the most common term. I think I grew up hearing it as drop ceilings. Um, In Britain, they're called suspended ceilings. And dropped ceilings are essentially critical for allowing offices to hide all the electrical wiring and ducts while still making them very easy to access for repairs and equipment upgrades. And that became particularly important after computerization. Um, There's a lot of office buildings that predated the sort of computer age, and the ones that had the most flexibility to be able to retrofit for adding all of those new wiring systems, whether it was under the floor or above a dropped ceiling, uh, they were able to adapt more quickly and also remain in service potentially to present day, whereas buildings where that was harder to do, especially buildings that were built specifically as offices rather than being converted from something else first, and they didn't have dropped ceilings, they had like rigid hard ceilings, the, the true ceiling essentially, trying to hide that stuff became kind of a nightmare. And so dropped ceilings was a much more convenient way 
it's harder to add those in after the fact because then you have a reduced ceiling height and that's not convenient either for various reasons, uh, but it at least still allows you to do some retrofitting uh, to, to make sure that your office can convert from the, you know, telephones and typewriters uh, to the computer age uh, over the course of the second half of the 20th century. We looked up some various articles about this to kind of get a better sense of what um, you know, how you define or understand these. Um, so, uh, Rachel, do you want to talk about the sort of definition provided by uh, actually this old house, the home renovation uh, TV show, their website had a description of this? Yeah. Uh, so-called drop ceilings are a system of lightweight metal rails suspended by wire from a higher ceiling, and they are then fitted with tiles of some sort. Um, popular in commercial office spaces to easily hide mechanical things like ductwork and wiring runs, the network of uniformly sized grid squares found in a drop ceiling enables architects to install sound deadening acoustic tiles, prefabricated light fixtures, air conditioning vents, and much more in a way that hide the messy mechanical connections and components needed to power a space. Um, Generic drop ceilings, as opposed to fancier custom designs, uh, today tend to be made of fiberglass or gypsum. Um, some older ones used to use asbestos. Um, so there are um, some pretty good advantages to drop ceilings in the office space. Yeah, um, I think it's important that we emphasize these advantages that you're about to talk about, because I think a lot of people who deal with office jobs, you know, they stare up at the ceiling. It's very boring. Sometimes it has weird stains on it and they hate it and it becomes a symbol of oppression. Uh, and that, of course, leads to a sort of backlash and taking those out, as we'll talk about. Um, but in fact, there's a lot of very good benefits, including to the workers uh, from having these dropped ceilings in place. Yeah, uh, they make offices quieter to work in. Um, there's often sound deadening, uh, those acoustic tiles that I mentioned earlier. Um, and they just hide all of the, uh, open duct work and, and wiring that are, that is really integral to office spaces. So from a workdesign.com article talking about the hidden costs of open ceilings, um, there's kind of a new trend, especially in like the techie startup culture that is kind of going for like, I guess, like a warehouse, open office, open ceiling look um, to look kind of hip and cool. Um, but there are some some disadvantages to open ceilings. Um, uh, for one, you can't put that those acoustical panels um, in the, on the ceiling. Um, it, office users may install acoustical panels directly onto the deck or suspend baffles to absorb sound in critical areas. Um, spray on acoustical material applied to the ceiling's hard reflective surfaces is another solution. However, these products are kind of hard to install. They add seven to 10 days to the construction schedule. Um, this kind of um, adds to the cost of, of not installing a drop ceiling. Open ceilings may involve lower material costs than suspended ceilings in some cases, but any savings is more than offset by the cost of labor-intensive tasks required for open plenum. Um, for instance, added labor-intensive tasks may include running all electrical distribution conduit tight to the deck above the associated additional bends in the runs, rather than running all of the conduit that crosses paths at different elevations. So if you have a drop ceiling, you can, you can arrange the wiring in a way that uh, just works without really considering the aesthetics, whereas 
you have an open ceiling is you don't want it to look too cluttered, too messy. So then you, you're really kind of uh, limited in how you you wire or how you arrange these things on your ceiling. Also, oftentimes the ductwork is like um, kind of used for aesthetic purposes. Um, old ductwork is typically blocky, dirty, oily, and generally not aesthetically pleasing. Round or oval ductwork, um, which was used in glass doors headquarters, delivers a more finished look, but it's significantly more expensive. And in addition to swapping out unsightly ducts, um, space users want everything painted from the exposed ceiling to the ductwork and plumbing, a job that's far more complicated than simply painting walls and installing your drop ceiling. Um, so painting everything does help tie everything together when you look at the color scheme, but there's a lot of skilled labor involved to uh, having this kind of open ceiling look. Um, so this work design article seems to be pretty critical of open ceilings, but then in the last section, it's like, well, it's it's not going away. Better get used to it, I guess, which is kind of a whiplash conclusion well, to get from the article. <laughs> and a lot of the sources, understandably, for our readings today were companies that either provide drop ceilings uh, and install them, and we're talking about either the history of them or the current designs and standards, or there are companies like this that tend to install some alternative to that. And so in this case, they talk about some of the various disadvantages or special challenges involved with those open ceiling industrial type uh, plans for these tech firms and so forth um, and, and the offices for those. But then they, of course, are endorsing that because that's how they get their money. Um, so anyway, we'll, uh, of course, as usual, have the PDF with all of the sources up with the episode um, up at Patreon. Um, let's talk a little bit about fire safety as well. That's obviously something that's important to workers uh, and to their benefit. So this is another one where there's... Uh, kind of, you know, some pros and cons here. So in theory, drop ceilings are expected to help contain fires. And if properly installed, they pretty much do help contain fires. They're obviously not totally fireproof. Um, we did mention earlier about some of the tiles previously historically being made out of asbestos. Um, but there is that difference between what is it supposed to do in theory versus in practice. Fire resistance, does it actually work? So some models, actually, the tiles will drop out at high temperatures uh, to facilitate the sprinklers and everything. Um, and that's kind of a cool thing, I guess, but I don't completely know how that works. Um, I don't think I've ever necessarily seen one of those, or if I did, I didn't know that it was that kind. But the bigger issue is that if you don't properly maintain or install or check your drop ceilings, then you can have some serious fire risks. A single missing tile can essentially create a dangerous chimney effect. Um, if it's installed over, uh, or I guess under in this case, since it's suspended below the true ceiling, if, if there's a true ceiling that has non-fire resistant ceiling material, and then you have this drop ceiling that's improperly installed or maintained, then you could potentially have a situation where it's like a chimney, you have the smoke and the fire zoom up through this gap in the tiles uh, or this you know missing tile, and then basically catch on fire the true ceiling and be spreading all over behind the drop ceiling, above the drop ceiling, and the firefighters might not even realize that's happening for a while um, because it's not 
evidently visible uh, unless you have the the tiles that drop out automatically. So that's a potential danger situation. Um, and one article that I read indicated that there's oftentimes a problem where you'll have a kind of a space that's been partitioned usually um, kind of artificially, you know, as part of retrofits or whatever. And you have like a like a closet, like a custodial closet type of thing that uh, shares a true ceiling and a drop ceiling with the, you know, broader room. Uh, but because you can't see the dropped ceiling inside the closet unless you're in the closet, um, if somebody is like, oops, we have to replace a tile and I don't want to go get the you know, actual replacement tile, or maybe we've run out. Well, we'll just borrow one from the closet because nobody can see that one and we'll put it in the main office space. And that's very dangerous because then you have a bunch of like flammable things in the custodial closet that can not only catch fire, but then immediately have this chimney effect. Um, but again, in theory, if you properly maintain your, your dropped ceilings, they can be very uh, beneficial uh, for uh, fire suppression. Well, fire suppression through the sprinkler system, but also fire resistance and controlling the spread, um, at least uh, slowing it down long enough for people to safely evacuate the building. Another potential issue, which I guess you could talk a little bit about, Rachel, and again, you know, I, I don't want to overstate this necessarily, but it's worth considering is that there's potential risks around things like mold and germs. Yeah, um, improperly installed or improperly ducted drop ceilings can have mistakenly isolated areas without proper ventilation, um, and then moisture can build up, and this facilitates mold and other germs. And those environmental uh, pathogens are no joke. You can get really, really sick from things like Legionella or um, just anything that can just thrive in a in a damp, dark environment. Yeah, so you have to make sure, again, that the installation is correct and that there's somebody actually maintaining this and checking this. You know, we talked earlier about that classic thing, which a lot of these articles mentioned, even the companies that install these things saying, you know, oh, everyone like knows the classic ceiling tile, the foam ceiling tile with the weird stain on it. Like that's often cause for concern. Um, a big source of that tends to be if there's actually uh, pipe work, um, which is another reason that drop ceilings were originally used before you had all these computer cables and everything, or uh, HVAC duct systems, uh, is you just want to hide various pipes that go across the ceiling. And so if you have a leaky pipe that's dripping on the ceiling, that's not good. You know, you can get this trapped moisture, have a potential mold problem, etc. So you have to make sure that that's uh, not an issue as well. But Again, there are, as we talked about, pretty significant downsides uh, to not having the dropped ceilings. Probably the biggest one, as Rachel said, is the acoustic problems. Um, and that also predates kind of not only the open office concept stuff and the, you know, personal computers, but also just like there was a clicky clack era with typewriters everywhere that was pretty deafening. And so having these acoustical tiles was a pretty important innovation to making these sort of uh densely packed offices functional. Uh, we've talked a lot about in recent episodes about the second industrial revolution in you know the late 19th century, and you could extend that into the early 20th century. Um, but uh, over time, we're moving away from offices that have, you know, a few clerks and secretarial functions into the 
you know, sort of modern array, uh, cubicles everywhere or desks everywhere, if not cubicles, and lots of people, you know, clicky clacking away on their typewriters. And that was quite loud. And so one of the things that was a big advantage to installing drop ceilings was to have that come in as well. We've talked a lot about the just sheer amount of ductwork, cabling, piping, everything in a modern office, and you can worry about potential issues in terms of maintenance around moisture and things like that or improper ventilation in those dropped ceilings, but um, there's clearly disadvantages to having all that stuff just wildly exposed, and I'm sure it's kind of a nightmare to clean that stuff as well in those open office, open ceiling uh, office designs, those industrial conversion designs in these tech startups. Interestingly, uh, before modern dropped ceilings were invented, there was a precursor which was more about form than, than function primarily, um, but I think probably plays an important role in the advent of these mass-produced uniform tile designs, uh, which was that in the second half of the 19th century, before modern drop ceilings, uh, but after the rise of mass production of rolled tin sheets, a popular kind of false ceiling, mostly for aesthetic purposes, was decorative tin ceilings made to look like fancy European plaster ceilings. Uh, these were often installed in tiles, which I think probably uh, is, is a factor in later influencing uh, the tile ceilings of drop ceilings. Um, but importantly, these tiles could be easily manufactured and shipped worldwide, unlike plaster, which would, you know, break in transit, uh, more likely. Um, and I thought that was interesting because at first I was like, what are they talking about? Tin ceilings. And there are like companies that will still do, you know, sort of modern throwback, uh, tin ceilings like that as an alternative to the sort of foam dropped ceilings. Um, but these, when I thought about it, I was like, started thinking about various buildings that I've been in in the U.S. that definitely have these sort of artificial tin ceilings. And maybe I didn't completely understand what those were, um, but you, you know, you see the sort of like pressed metalwork designs on them and everything. I don't know, Rachel, if you've ever seen any a building like that, or, or maybe you wouldn't necessarily remember if it wasn't something that stood out to you. Uh, I guess I spend a lot of time staring at ceilings. Yeah, I'm not sure if I if I spend that time, but. Looking at the pictures, um, there's a tin ceiling uh, history um, linked in the notes. Um, they they are very attractive, and um, they're also lightweight, fireproof, uh, durable. So they have a lot of advantages um, to them. So I I I do think they're a pretty attractive option, and uh, they do. Um, they are manufactured and sold today, so it's something something to, to consider. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, computerization. Um, you know, the other thing that I had thought about potentially talking about was some stuff around office lighting, um, because I think that obviously ties in with the kind of iconic drop ceiling look. Um, but, you know, I don't know what right now there is to necessarily say about that because, you know, everyone's familiar with those uh, various sort of heinous fluorescent lights that bother everyone and make everyone look unpleasant. But uh, office computerization ties into this as well. You know, we've kind of talked around this a little bit, um, but we should talk a little bit about sort of some of the key steps there. 
um, because you would have had at a certain point, you would have had just the mainframe rooms and people would have to actually go into the physical room with the computer and do everything. Uh, and eventually later on, you have desktop computers, you know, individual personal computers, PCs at everyone's desk, um, sort of replacing typewriters, especially once word processing software was created. But there was actually an interim step, um, which I didn't know a whole lot about until I was doing some of the research for this. Um, and again, some of this gets into flooring and artificial flooring as opposed to the dropped ceilings. Um, but uh, similar sort of principle, uh, and, and I think both tended to be used, um, was the con facilitating the concept of dumb terminals, they were called. Um, so these allowed desktop remote access by cable to mainframe computers before you had actual desktop PCs. So instead of having a little processor at each desk, you just had the monitor and the keyboard at each desk, and the actual processing power was still happening in a different room, but there was a cable linking you to that. Um, and that was the kind of stuff that... Um, you know, comes in after dropped ceilings and, you know, then artificial flooring as well. Um, but I would argue, and again, we struggled a little bit on some of the research for this because it is kind of, it doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of like sort of academic research or history or theorizing on this. But I think that the dropped ceiling and some other similar technologies in the offices are probably a necessary precursor to facilitating some of these developments in office computing. I mean, you can say, oh, they probably would have happened anyway, but I think that it was probably a lot easier to figure out how to implement them efficiently, uh, given that these sort of dropped ceilings had already come into vogue at, by the end of the 1950s. And then obviously, you know, once that design was in place, the 1960s. And again, there were dropped ceiling designs going back as far as 1919 that would be more or less recognizable to us today. They, you know, had significant differences in their uh, design and maintenance and so forth. But th there was that kind of long period of developing and refining the patents before you get kind of the quote unquote final design. Obviously there's been kind of aesthetic modifications and modifications around sprinkler systems and, you know, certain new types of light designs um, since the 1958 design. Uh, but in terms of like the individual replaceable foam or gypsum panels, you know, or potentially asbestos panels that you could take out, put back, do your little maintenance here and there on something, um, that is the 1958 design. And, you know, kind of, I think anybody that hadn't already adopted a precursor to that was pretty quick to start installing those in most of their offices, I, I, I think, uh, over the course of the 1960s, which then positions them well to take advantage of, you know, 1960s, 70s, and 80s uh, computer sort of revolutions uh, to allow this sort of industrial, uh, third industrial information technology revolution. Um, again, some, a lot of this is me starting to veer into more speculative territory on this, which I think our listeners probably won't mind uh, as long as we're upfront about that that's what we're kind of hi hypothesizing around this. Um, but I think that's sort of an interesting uh, angle on that transitional phase between kind of the telephone typewriter era into the computing era. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that aspect, Rachel. Yeah, um, I... I'm really um, uh, not really well versed because gr I grew up in the era of the personal computer. So it was really interesting to read about like these dumb terminals um, that that did need to 
have access by cable to these mainframe computers. Like, uh, I, it kind of appears in old media, but I wasn't really, I didn't really have a conception of what that entailed. So that, that was really interesting to learn about. Um, another aspect I kind of wanted to, to go into was, um, just like how this kind of aesthetic, this like warehouse open office aesthetic, um, seems to be in vogue and kind of being pushed by this consultant class that doesn't actually have to work under these conditions. And it seems like this hip startup appearance seems to like fly in the face of uh, like the comfort and like the proven um, aspects of office work that have like worked over the decades, like, like these sound baffling tiles or um, having private spaces for the workers. And it seems like uh, the the workers have kind of lost their power to to um, work in a space that is conducive to working and is comfortable in working in and um, allows them to be productive. So it's, it's kind of interesting how this consultant class has kind of risen up over the years. And they they've actually really changed the way that office workers work as more people have kind of moved into these administrative uh, white collar office jobs. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's kind of interesting. I don't know if these are related or just humorous coincidences maybe, but one of the things that we're talking about when we're talking about the period of development of the drop ceilings from 1919 to 1958 is again, this is the rise of the modern office and the modern office worker. It's still a period of great industrial activity in the United States, but in order to run all of those factories, you need this giant sort of administrative state within these corporations. You need to have all of the paperwork drones and everything, all the people doing the clicky clack jobs. This is, you know, before the spreadsheet era, but you still had a lot of like memos and documents to write. And uh, Kelly and I talked on the uh, 1911 Illinois Shopman strike episode earlier in the week about the role of the clerks going on strike and destroying a bunch of freight shipping records at the beginning of the strike to try to slow down things uh, for the railroad. But this is the, the rise of that sort of modern office where you just have, you know, rows and rows of desks, you know, potentially as far as the eye can see or, or cubicles if you're luckier. Uh, and it's kind of the industrialization of office work, right? It's it's not literal industry, um, but it's mass production of whatever the, you know, administrative functions are, uh, rather than leaving that to be this sort of individualized, personalized job. And then as you, you know, crest the wave of the information technology revolution and so forth, um, and you go into that sort of second phase in the dot-com era and so forth and the rise of these so-called uh, tech companies uh, that don't really produce physical technology in the way that the earlier tech companies had, right? They're not producing actual computers. They're producing apps or websites or whatever. Um, you start getting... This is happening as the country is deindustrializing, becoming the a so-called information and services economy. And you've got all these empty factories and warehouses that are then being converted into offices. 
And along with this comes this aesthetic trend, as you talked about, toward these open ceiling designs and open office concepts. Uh, everything, you know, becomes aesthetically industrial, but ironically makes it much more difficult to work under these conditions, um, you know, makes it much more similar to the working conditions in the factories during that earlier era, right? Where everyone would be losing their hearing and stuff uh, with all these looms and uh, other machine tools going and things like that. Um, and various assembly line production that we've talked about on so many different episodes. And now you're sort of replicating that for literally no apparent reason other than just aesthetics. And I guess, I don't know, to torture people. I mean, I'm not really sure what the deal is with this trend. You know, is there a, you know, a panopticon aspect of it that is super necessary to the, you know, time in motion uh, management of these uh, in the current era, the dot-com and app era? I don't know. Um, but I think it's an interesting juxtaposition uh, of this sort of like deindustrializing country leading to this sort of deindustrialization in some ways and kind of aesthetically industrialized forms uh, for these office jobs that are not, you know, still not really actually producing anything particularly. And in fact, arguably producing in many ways a lot less than. Uh, what they would have been facilitating the production of when those administrative white collar jobs were uh, appendages to something larger and physical. Um, and I'm not saying this to like make some weird glorification of the physical production or whatever. I'm just like trying to get into the kind of the materialist nitty gritty of it. Uh, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're like play acting the industrial warehouse to to maybe kind of paper over the fact that they're not producing anything physical anymore and that we have become so deindustrialized. Maybe just people want to perform it even if it's not real at the, at this point. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I think, think that's about. probably a lot of the psychology <laughs> behind it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Uh, I wouldn't have really considered these concepts like without us going into this, what is a drop ceiling and how has it changed the office space over the decades and how work has transformed over the last century and a half or so. Uh, when you started talking about like uh, stained ceiling tiles, it, it made me think of like um, X-Files when Mulder, like I think one of his um, hobbies was throwing pencils into the ceiling tiles. And uh, that's, that's an image that you don't really see anymore, I guess, now that the tech and like, everyone's moving to open offices and warehouse style offices. You can't throw, can't throw pencils at the ceiling tiles anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, thank you for being on this week to talk about dropped ceilings for our bonus subscribers. Yeah, it was really fun. And thank you everyone for subscribing. <laughs>